Yes, we're back with another episode of Another Rider. Today we have a scriptwriter in the house, and this is his name's Billy or Bob, and that's, you know, the cue for Anonymous. So, Billy Bob. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you get into scriptwriting? Oh, I just always knew I wanted to do it. Really? I was watching TV. Well, I don't know, growing up, I was never good at football and, and all that. I never spoken a bit about, um, you know, Jim. Jim. Women and, um, and, and, and money. And so I spent a lot of time watching other kids doing things. Okay. And spent a lot of time in my imagination and reading books and loved television. And yeah, I just decided quite young it was what I wanted to do. Can we ask, what was the disability? Like MS, it's called CMT. And I actually had the wrong diagnosis for a while. Oh, it, okay. Um, it affected my mobility. But I was the important thing is I was told by my parents, you know, I could have probably myself a bit further but I grew up knowing that I wouldn't be able to do everything I wanted to do and that took a more mental toll than a physical one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Sometimes as parents we mess up slightly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's those kind of things. I don't think my parents mess up with that. Okay. You know, no one's told. Alright, fair enough. That's but, that's good. Yeah. I'll probably put, I'll just probably think about myself there. <laughs> yeah, as a parent. Are you a parent? Yeah. How, how old are your kids? I've got four kids. Right. 29, 18, 7 and 4. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I've been a busy boy. Yeah. Uh-huh. So when was the first time that you realised this is what it's all about for me, script writing? I mean, when I was 14, I sent what I thought was a script to the BBC. In hindsight, it was a bullshit sort of short story but I wrote a fake episode of Doctor Who and sent it to them mm-hmm. and I kind of I just knew I wanted to do it what was their response if at all they didn't respond <laughs> this <laughs> was when in the round filing cabinet I probably sent it to the wrong person I just yeah. sent it to like the general email okay so for future purposes if yeah. you someone did write a script and was in your position yeah who would they send it to in BBC is um, there a person or a department? They've got a wonderful thing called BBC Writers Room. Okay. Which is where they find new talent and train it. And they normally have an open call six months a year for comedy, six months a year for drama, where you can send a script and they'll read it and get in touch and give you feedback. It's great. Okay. So BBC Writers Room, that is. So, yeah, we will write that down um, on, in the bit when we post it on YouTube. Yeah. So, what was... What was the first kind of project that you worked on? Uh, professional or like... Well, no, you're starting from the... We're going through the stages. Uh, through the stages. So bef- before we even get into that... Yeah. You were in school. Yeah. You are 14. You wrote this script. Yeah. You realised you wanted to do script uh, yeah. writing. Did you get a mentor? Did anybody... Did you follow anybody? Did yes. You? Mainly in the theatre. Because I grew up in London and went on a school trip. Just by Googling and looking at the Wikipedias of all the writers I admired, I realised lots of them had started in theatre and had written plays. And so I went, took my Oyster card, saw lots of theatre, found found playwrights who I liked, and then I'd emailed them, reached out to them. And then there was also a teacher at school who knew I was doing this and gave me things to read, gave me recommendations. of a mixture of mentors from school and then mentors who I sought out 
and stuff at a young age and it mm-hmm. never really you know I, I'd be a bit weirded out if a 14 year old emailed me out of blue now mm. but luckily the people who I emailed weren't well, it depends on what they're emailing. Yeah. Because if this is really creative, you could be you could be the next Einstein or you know um, I don't know any scriptwriters. That's why. I say, <laughs> hey, sorry, that's why I said things. Uh, yeah, Shakespeare. Thank you. Yeah. Oh yeah, he is a scriptwriter for a thing, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't yeah. even think of that. But well, I suppose you know this that they alleged, the rumor is that Shakespeare just took other people's stories and put them together. Is that true? Or, yeah, in some capacity, like. It was a different culture of writing stories at that time. So the story of Hamlet isn't original. It was based on an older story of Hamlet, which in turn, lots of other playwrights did their own versions of. Just as Romeo and Juliet, you'll find 50 Romeo and Juliets out there by different playwrights. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a much more open culture in terms of adaptation. People didn't really feel like stories belonged to people who were copyrighted in the same way as they are now. Yeah. and I suppose the story of forbidden love is a is a timeless story. Absolutely. Because whether it's race, religion, caste, whatever, it's always the same. Somebody yeah. loves somebody, and some other people are upset about it. Uh-huh. So you you got this mentor, and then what did they tell you? What route you need to take? They just told me to keep doing it. You know, to keep practicing. They told me the right people to send. So they encouraged me to to go to Oxford and to really, you know, try and invest in my education because that was going to be the place where I'd meet people who wanted to do similar things. Ah, so Oxford. People who'd fund it, and I didn't go to the kind of school where you know they send people to Oxford all the time. So it was. I wouldn't have really thought about doing it. Okay. If I weren't pushed. So you're a working class guy then? Not working class. I wouldn't push it that way. But okay. I went to I was going to say, I thought you was one of us. All right, then, you're not. <laughs> you're better than us then, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I am working class. Oh, listen, don't listen no, to No, I don't want to do my parents. <laughs> what did your parents do? So my dad is a psychologist. Oh, well, you're not working and class. And my mum yeah, yeah. runs her own business now, but is a, is a freelancer, so she's self-employed. Okay, that's good. They're divorced, and it was... Um, oh, well, it happens, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I'm self-employed. Mm-hmm. I'm a taxi driver. How do you feel about that? Because I know they um, change it to um, worker. Yeah, you know, if you were a, a, a cabbie, like black cab driver, yeah, you'd be employed or no? Self-employed. Self-employed. But the idea is you don't work for Uber, so they don't have to give you all the. Yeah, well, U- U- because what it is, Uber's taking a cut. So if Uber wasn't taking a cut of our money. Because that system set up different from a black taxi driver. So for in, during lockdown, black taxi drivers just, uh, just stopped working because there was no way they could get money. Mm-hmm. But I worked throughout the lockdown because I had a, a digital platform that is international or national in our case, for uh, and who who would just throw me jobs. I mean, there's a job over there, go and get it. There's a job right. here, go and there. And there's a commission in it. So that's probably why the government as in the government, the courts came to that conclusion, well, this person can't work without your input. Mm-hmm. So therefore, think. I don't know, actually I was one of the people who was like, why are you taking Uber to court? You know the rules when, you knew the rules when you right. signed up. And then when I got the money, went, hey, yeah, <laughs> well done, guys. I had your back all the way. 
story went. You silly bollocks me. He doesn't, yeah. <laughs> doesn't know anything. But yeah. So back to you. You what what acting? So you, you went to Oxford University. Mm-hmm. So you said you, you you spoke about theatres, but you're not like I've interviewed loads of actors, and I've right. interviewed directors for Emmerdale Farm, Coronation Street, EastEnders. Wow, yeah, and then if you listen to them, they're on the thing. I'm not sure if he. I don't think he. I'm not sure if he put his email out there, but I, I've got his email. I can always say send him an email. So I've got a really good scriptwriter. Are you interested? Mm-hmm. And then you just give me your best script <laughs> or CV. Yeah. I can remember me. I'm the guy who harassed you into an interview in the car. But he was a working class guy, so he said he, he was telling me his story how he made it and dealing with the middle and upper class right, yeah, because it's obviously. Thank yeah. So and which is interesting, which brings me on to Top Boy. Have you seen that? Yes, I have. So I've seen the latest season. Okay, what do you think about that as a scriptwriter? I think it's exceptional. I think it's, it's remarkably structured. It's, uh, it's really British, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is, but you know, I've been living in America, and there, they love it as well. Oh, they've been watching it there? Yeah, and the area I lived in, in America, you know, it's not entirely comparable to yeah, where Top Boy is set, but the people... Whenever I tell people there that I'm from London, it's the first thing they say. And then, I don't know, I think it's changed people's perceptions of the city in quite a good way. <laughs> Obviously not, you know. Well, not, they, they don't think it's just tea and crumpets anymore. Exactly, they get to see it you know, slightly more recognisable. No wonder they have knife crime. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have guns, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, yeah, in the show there's a lot of guns. Yeah, but not, in the, yeah. not to the same extent as what I'm worried about. Now, I, a bit of controversial moment. I'm interested to hear what you have to say on this. Ashley Waters, I thought he was his show as in he script wrote it, but it turns out he didn't. And there's an English, Irish man or something like that who wrote it. And he came out with a comment that it probably would have been better if a black person had script wrote it. Mm-hmm. Because of the third season was vastly different from the second and the first. But yeah. it's the same scriptwriter throughout. Yeah. So I looked at that, the third season, and I, I try not to give away anything. It's like the powers that be put their political spin on to say crime doesn't pay. Do you see what I mean? Where yeah. if it was written by somebody who was from that environment or even understood that environment, mm-hmm. then it would have probably come out a different version of the story. Right. But what do you think about that? Because before I even, before you answer that, Denzel m- made a statement mm-hmm. that Mark Sassese, as an Italian, did Goodfellas and yeah, yeah, all yeah. those. As an Italian, he understood his community and his people. Steven Spielberg did Schindler's List. As a Jewish person, he's taught about his history and all of that. Yeah. So what do you think about that comment? I'm not sure. Cause I, I mean, these shows aren't made by a single vision. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between theatre and TV. TV is much more made by committee. You're going to get 10, 20 sets of notes normally. And I, there's no saying what the show would have looked like. I, I, I don't know if race would have been the biggest difference in how the show would have been. They had, they had a different writer. I think the thing about personal taste, personal politics is probably mm-hmm. a more bearing. And as for reading the politics into the show, 
I'm always slightly apprehensive of looking at a work of fiction or a, a piece of entertainment or art even and saying that this is endorsing this or rejecting that. Mm. But I can definitely see why that would be convincing, um, particularly the portrayal of crime. But yeah, I have no strong feelings because I know how much hard work, sweat, blood and tears goes into making these things. <laughs> you don't want <laughs> to <wanna> burn any <laughs> bridges in case exactly. someone recognises your voice. No, I understand. I do. Someone put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. He, the guy did say he did give it his all. Yeah. And he and with all the actors, I, and when I I think when he when Ashley Waters did make that statement, he wasn't talking about the actors would be different people. Right. He was talking in more of how the actors would have behaved, mm-hmm. because at the the season one and season two didn't correlate with season three and their behaviour. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yes. It, you there could. There's a bit of a gap, right, between. Yeah. There's quite a long period of time. Because there was politics. After the first one, no one wanted them to do it again. And then right. that rapper, the Canadian rapper guy, I forgot his name, my son loves him. Drake. Yeah, Drake. Drake saw it and endorsed it to say, we've got to make a number two. Yeah. yeah. It's weird, Drake's been producing a lot of TV lately. Well, it's, mo- it's money, isn't it? Money yeah. in TV. Look at 50 Cent. And 50 Cent, I think he has an input in writing his... I'm not sure, you probably know more. But he's written about... He's written loads of all, all gang stuff. Um, Organised crime, being him. But he's written loads of stuff. How was your journey from when you hit uni to where you are today? What was my journey? Well, crucially, it's not been that long. It's been um, just over three years since I left my undergrad degree. Mm-hmm. While I was at uni, I did a lot of drama and had a fair bit of success in setting up a theatre company and staging my own plays, mm-hmm. which then took me to New York, where I went to film school, went to New York University, studied there for two years, which is where I got a whole new generation of mentors and people who were actually working in the industry and looking for people to hire. And that was a really good course because it was very practical. It wasn't, you know, learning theory. It was, I left there with, I think, seven screenplays, five plays, a couple sort of audio dramas and things under my belt as a portfolio. You're not playing around, are you? How old are you? I'm 25. You're doing really well. Well, I said I've written all these things. Anyone can, can type on a laptop. It's, um, yeah, but... It's the hard t- thing is getting it read and finding the people who share your taste and that's been beginning to happen a bit but it's been a big realisation how slow um, these things move and how much Covid has impacted the industry and right now in America we're all on strike anyway okay. I'm back here but isn't it a bit like being a podcaster or an influencer you just need one hit yes. and then every the flood doors open you'll get bombarded with people yes. saying lots of podcasters I've seen do migrate into um, writing TV and all sorts. Um, that big play in the West End right now, the Ghost Story one, mm. the bloke who wrote that started off podcasting about um, true horror. But I guess the difference is with podcasting, you know, you can just do it. You're doing it now, you're, you're putting out content. To put something together in TV or screen it requires so much money and crew and teams and people who 
mm. all want to have a stake or some kind of interest but mm. you know it's very easy to develop a proof of concept or to write a script mm -hmm. to you know put together a, even you know, with an iPhone sort of mm -hmm. budget version of what it might look like but to try and actually get it realized and made and to be at a point where you can have an underground hit um, already requires so much mm. collaboration and assistance and people saying yes with not just their words but I interviewed a guy who wrote a script when he was 13 or 14 mm -hmm. and he took it to Hollywood, he took it to various places in London and they wouldn't even answer the door. Yeah. And then he went to Hollywood and he said, the good thing of Hollywood, you either get 60 seconds or three minutes. Yeah. Everybody's interested in you for 60 seconds or three minutes. And if you get 60 seconds, you have to push that to two minutes by what you're saying and then you push it to three minutes and then they say sit down absolutely yeah and he That's said he, he's got films yeah. he's got films in on Amazon mm -hmm. and some other channel I think Disney oh wow yeah because of what it's in it's on the podcast mm -hmm. uh, so you can check it out I'm definitely listening to more reviews <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can check it out and uh, well, we're Shane, I'll, I'll take your details at the end of this yeah, and I'll yeah. send you these things just in case you can't get Yeah, or you could just tap your phone on it and it oh, will yeah. send you the li it transfer the link the link goes through don't ask me how it's NFC cards so mm -hmm. it's more technology than I understand so what does the future hold for you my friend oh there's no telling I'm if I knew I'd be I don't know if I'd be happy but I'm waiting for the strike to end in America so I can Well, that's what you so do, though. To wonder if waiting my 20s a bit. No, you're not. Other priorities. Yeah. Beyonce said, and I'm not a fan of Beyonce. I'm sorry, ladies. <laughs> yeah, and everybody else who loves her. She said she, when she was young, all her friends were out partying, talking about this and talking about that. Mm -hmm. And she was jogging with her dad and her sister and having to sing and doing it. And her mum was sorting out for outfits and you know choreography and all that stuff right. and she missed the whole of her teens and her 20s or whatever it was mm -hmm. but now when she looks back on it she'd do it all again exactly the same yeah but she's Beyonce now. no but this wait so what are you I don't see any difference with you I see a young <laughs> no I see a young guy and I'll speak to you as not not in patronising ways mm -hmm. you're younger than my son the young guy is doing very very well and regardless of your health issues, you're pushing on, you found something you love and you run with it. And I say run with it, run with it, run with it, because by the time you get to first your thirties, you'll look back and that was fast and you'll be established. Yeah, and then the only the, then the only problem will be finding a woman who genuinely likes you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then, because women have a style, I'm gonna get jib for this. Women don't find a you know, a man with money. It doesn't matter how ugly or whatever you are, they can fix you up, they can work with that, as long as you got money. Yeah, but anyway, we're getting off subject. No, but screenwriters, you, you, you don't get paid a lot, don't you? The ones who make it, make it big, but 
that. Thank you, um, you see. The majority do not, the majority who make it, even are making it big. Because you have to do it for love, it's not a rewarding mm. thing for you. don't get out of it what you put in. So much of it is like, you have to really love doing it, I find. And well, I did interview Tom Cruise's cameraman. No way. And his dad is the bodyguard for Tom Cruise, and that's how he wow. became the cameraman. So I could send him a link, say, this is a script, you've got it's got to be really good. What do you think? Maybe Tom will like this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went half, bitch, I went half. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd just be happy to have helped you, to be honest, because I'm not in the acting thing. But no, I do why, you know, you throw some things away, connect you with some people, see where it goes. Yeah. You're doing your thing and your heart's in it. So why heart not? Is in it. Yeah, just make, yeah. It, make it work. If it wasn't, I'd be no. It's not um, It's not a nine to five in that way, but it's all consuming. And yeah, I'll find my woman, I'll find my life. I'll yeah. make it work. Yeah, that's, that's the spirit. That's the spiritual yeah. thing. What would be your advice to a younger person who wants to go down the road that you're going? And also, what have you learned so far that you wish you knew when you had started in this industry? Wow. Um, I guess my advice would be to just keep doing it, keep practicing, take your craft seriously and write the kinds of things that you'd want to see, not the kinds of things that you think other people want you to make, because ultimately there's probably enough of that out there already if your voice is making you unique. As for something I wish someone told me, to take myself a bit less seriously, but take the work a bit more seriously. I think lots of times people get imposter syndrome or they, struggle with feeling inadequate and it's normally because they've got an idea of themselves which doesn't quite match what they're actually capable of doing mm -hmm. and I was um, you know paralyzed by that for a long time but as soon as I just conceptualized myself as on a journey someone who's you know might not be writing great things now but is getting better and will one day you know once you position yourself on a trajectory and a forward path instead of you know, having arrived fully formed, it becomes much easier to take risks, much easier to work without fear of failure, and much easier to write things which are more authentic and true to what you like and your taste. And I suppose that's something I wish I knew going in, because I spent too much time writing things and worrying about things and people who were never going to read them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's been great. <laughs> For obvious reasons, Bob, Billy Bob, I cannot ask you where people can find you, but we can. Right. One day they'll find me. Anyway. Yeah, but we can. We can wish you well yeah. in all future dealings in life. Yes. So thanks to have you having you. Best Uber ride I've taken. We hope that episode enhanced your life. We post an interview every day, as well as vlogging on our social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episode.